This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Before introducing this week's guest, I want to invite you to join me on November 1st for a four-week gratitude practice. It is more than jotting down a few things you're thankful for, which is still great. For example, one day you'll read 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 12 through 18 and thank God specifically for individuals who work hard among you, for individuals who care for you in the Lord, and so on. The practice guide is free at graceenoughpodcast.com slash free gratitude practice. Download it now and we'll get started on November 1st. Today's guest is Erica Wiggenhorn. Erica is a Bible teacher, author, and speaker. Today, we talk about the all too common feeling among Christian women that no one wants to admit. The Bible is boring. That was her experience years ago, but she knew she was missing something. Listen in to hear how Erica learned to dig in and understand God's Word. You'll also hear how and why she writes Bible studies and her encouragement for those who currently feel like the Bible is boring. Good morning, Erica, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Good morning, Amber. Oh, it's fun to be here. It is. Finally, it's so fun. I know. <laughs> I think it's more fun now than what it would have been if we would have recorded this last year when I was not very good about following through with all the things I was supposed to be following through on. Because <laughs> now we know each other. <laughs> there we go. Do you have a little bit of a different, um, or maybe it's it's not that different, way of coming to Christ in the sense of you didn't grow up in a Christian family, but your dad came to Christ at, you tell us the story about when you came to know Jesus. Yeah. So I came to know uh, Christ as a young teen. Uh, I did not grow up in the church. I went to church a handful of times uh, with my grandparents. They lived in one of those uh, retirement communities. Yes. And they had their own church in the retirement community. Did they live in Florida? No, they lived in Southern California (laughs) at Leisure World. Yes. But but I can vivid, in my mind's eye, I still remember we went to church. And of course, I was one of like three kids in Mm -hmm. the whole church. Everybody else was of leisurely age. (laughs) And there was this massive wooden pulpit with this gigantic man in this huge you know, flowing black robe and a booming voice. And every, (laughs) you know, fourth or fifth sentence, he would pound on the big wooden pulpit. And, and I remember sitting there as a kid, like terrified. (laughs) And then at the end of the sermon, we all walked out of the middle doors Mm -hmm. and he was standing there at the end and I had to shake his hand. 
And I remember as a little girl, like my knees were knocking because I was like, he's scary. Oh, no. He's so scary. Um, So my my first church experiences were not um, super awesome. I'll be honest. And uh, once I became a um, teenager, my grandparents actually moved in with us. Um, my leisure oh. world grandparents moved in with us and <laughs> that's a due big to change. Health, uh, it was a big change due to some health reasons. And there was just absolutely no way uh, you were going to live under my grandfather's roof and not go to church on Sunday morning. Oh. So our family then began going to church every Sunday morning not at Leisure World, but a church <laughs> in our own neighborhood uh, that actually had like a youth group and a youth pastor because there were youth in the church. And, <laughs> and uh, that was how I first came to know the Lord. So, you know, I didn't grow up with veggie tails or uh, flannel boards or any of that stuff. <laughs> If anybody's listening and you don't know about flannel boards, you really missed out. (laughs) I'm just going to say they're still being used in some places, Erica, and that's not a bad thing. I just wanted to put that out there. (laughs) Okay, but tell me a little bit of the story of, because I know just bits and pieces. Your dad, did he come to know Christ before you, after you? Yeah, good question. So father had been a believer. Um, but he kind of walked away from church. He, gosh, that's a, that's a whole story in and of itself. But basically, um, once our family started going back to church again, and my grandparents moved in with us, things that were happening in our home that no one knew about, Mm. um, such as my father's excessive drinking, uh, Mm. came to light. And my grandparents, basically set my father down along with my mom for an intervention. And they were like, Mm. look, you've got to get this under control or your wife and your daughter are going to move out because this is an unhealthy scenario. Yeah. Um, And at that point, my dad was, he really had his coming to Jesus moment, I will say, and he quit drinking. Wow. And when he quit drinking, he really um he gave his life back to Christ and had a total personal revival and from that point got really involved in church, actually became an elder uh in the church a couple of years later, but this was all sort of happening at the same time and okay. I can vividly remember around this same time my parents put me into a Christian school because the public high school in our neighborhood was not super great. And I remember saying to God, as I sat in my Christian school Bible Mm. classes, saying, I'll know you're real Mm. when you fix my family. And I had absolutely no idea how audacious it was for this, (laughs) you know, cynical, (laughs) snotty little 13, 14 year old to pray a prayer like that to God. Um, But I think God in his tender mercy, you know, God is our father Mm -hmm. and he knew I was desperate Mm -hmm. for a healthy, loving father. And I had not experienced one as of yet in my life. 
And God honored that cry of my heart. Mm. And he did fix my family. And my father became one of my very best friends uh, until the Lord took him home to heaven um, Mm. about 10 years ago now, a little over 10 years ago now. So he was just kind of working on all of us at the same time. I honestly, I can't remember how much of the revival I saw in my dad's life or he had just sort of quit drinking and um, but yeah, God was doing a work. He was working on all of us. And I have a feeling it had much, much, much to do with my grandmother's prayers. <laughs> yes. Oh, girl, I say all the time, my mother-in-law, I'm like, thank you for the years. You didn't even know me that you prayed for me. Amen. Thank you. Because yeah. I mean, I, I have no doubt that it's that and the prayers of one of my grandmother's And like you said, sometimes those audacious prayers that we pray ourselves that we don't even know, like you said, that they're audacious because God already knows our thoughts anyway. So to keep that from him, it's not really keeping it from him. So it's best just to be honest. (laughs) Absolutely. I think God prefers our authenticity rather than trying to articulate something that we Mm -hmm. think is going to sound good to him. That's right. Me too. Mm -hmm. Well, at some point you were reading your Bible, opening it up and just like so many of us, I mean, I can totally relate, right? You just open it up and you're like, this makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I mean, being a leader of different youth group, not full youth groups, but I mean, small groups, I see that in these young girls to them, it just doesn't have life. They have not figured it out yet. And so it left you feeling a little bit discouraged. Yeah. What helped you in, you know, really persevering in reading and then taking that next step to actually learn how to study and how to learn what the Bible was about? Yeah. Um, I remember uh, right after I accepted Christ, my youth pastor, Pastor Mark, he gave me, you know, one of a, a student Bible. Mm-hmm. And it had all of Jesus's words in red letters. Um, I knew, you know, like this much of the Bible. So I thought, well, well, we'll start with those. They're easy to find. And <laughs> Jesus is kind of an important person right. in the Bible. So we'll start there. And I remember sitting on my bed, Amber, as a teenager and reading these red lettered words of Jesus and him talking about, you know, a wheat tear and a plowshare and a mustard seed and your eye is the lamp of the body. And I remember saying to him, how in the world am I supposed to follow you when I cannot even understand you? Um, (laughs) I grew up in Los Angeles. Okay. I'd never seen an oxen. I'd never even seen a farm. I was like, I don't have any idea what any of this means. I'm totally lost. Somebody forgot to give me the secret decoder ring. And <laughs> and that was my experience with the Bible. And finally, once I got older, um, I got tired of feeling like I wasn't part of the secret decoder ring club mm. because I would go to church and I would hear people talk about how they had their quiet time and God spoke to them through his word. And I remember thinking, God's not speaking to me through his word. Like, am I, maybe I'm not even saved. I mean, it Mm. it just became a huge thing in my life. And finally I was like, you know what? I I've got to figure this out because 
it's not getting any better trying to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And the longer I'm a believer, the more guilt and shame I'm having over this. And now it's to the point where I would be um, humiliated for mm. people that I go to church with to know how little I actually read my Bible and that I think it's boring. Like who wants to admit that? Like, is yeah. that's a terrible thing to say as a believer that the Bible's boring. But the reality is, is a lot of people feel that way. And yes. a lot of people are like, I don't have the secret Dakota ring either. I mm-hmm. so get you. And so for me, what was really turnkey was to join a Bible study. Yeah, I bit the bullet. Same. I joined a Bible study. I, I'm not going to lie. I went kicking and screaming. A friend of mine said, you need to come. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I don't. Um, but she was like, no, you are coming. And it was a huge game changer for me. And there were some that were better than others. There were some that I connected with better than others. And there were some that helped me feel like I was learning how to study the Bible Mm -hmm. as much as I was learning just what the Bible said. Right. Um, But that really became a huge catalyst for me. Amber, in my own writing journey, Mm. because I wanted to create tools where people could open up the word of God and open up a study. And I could literally just be like that person sitting down next to them with their favorite drink and walking through the scriptures and saying, let me let me give you some cultural background so you understand what this means. Let me help you hear these words of Jesus, the way the people sitting on the shore of Galilee with him would have heard and understand them, stood them, you know, what they would have felt, uh, what emotions it would have evoked. So that really is the heartbeat behind why I write studies is I want people to go, oh, I get it. That's what it means for my life. This is what. Uh, God is trying to say to my heart today in 21st century America, where Mm. I could easily watch a sermon on YouTube, um, but I'll probably get this much of the Bible in it. Yeah. Or even follow it because our attention span is about two minutes now when we're actually watching something. So (laughs) I'm kind of like, it's a both and there too, right? (laughs) Like it might have a lot of Bible and 15 seconds in, we're we're totally not focused anymore. (laughs) It's sad, but it's true. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.com.
Um, well, so tell me though, did you start writing? When did you start writing? Were you always a writer? And then you just changed that into Bible study writing, book writing with a Christian emphasis at some point? Great question. So no, I was not always a writer. Mm. Um, writing was not something, honestly, I ever really thought I would do. Um, it really came about initially at a very dark season in my life. So I Mm. told you, I started attending women's Bible studies that became the avenue for how the word of God was getting into me because I loved the rhythm of it, the accountability Mm -hmm. of it. And I found that I often learned more from the people at the table than I did from the person on the screen or the person teaching behind the pulpit. Um, And so I loved it, but there came a a season. It was actually uh, when my father was dying Mm -hmm. and we had moved across country. We didn't know anyone. I had transitioned out of being a full-time working woman for over a decade uh, putting my husband through school to a stay-at-home mom with a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and um, it was PTSD. Just a, yeah, it Gosh. was a really tough season. My husband's career, uh, the company mm-hmm. that had hired him, we found out that they were doing some unethical, borderline, illegal uh, things, and we needed to get out of that. Com- it was just a a lot whirlwind. I was grieving. My mom was not handling my father's illness well. And we were doing a study and I felt like the study was selling Jesus. Mm. And it was, it was selling this theology of if you check all these boxes and you do everything right, God is going to bless you. Oh gosh. And I was like, man, I'm checking all the boxes and my life feels like it's falling apart. And I remember saying, I need a bigger God than this. And I wow. cried out mm-hmm. to God and I said, does it ever grieve your heart that your people just want your blessings, mm-hmm. but they don't want you? Because right now, God, I just want you because I got to know that you're real and you're bigger than this book is, you know, not my Bible, but this study book is telling me that you are. Um, And I remember as I cried out to God in that moment, I sensed him say to me in my heart, study the book of Ezekiel and write down what I show you. Now, I don't know um, about you. Amber, but I don't have a lot of those like really clear cut moments in my life where I sense God saying something so out of left field. Yeah. Ezekiel is out of left field. And so I cut, I brushed it off. I'll, I'll be honest. I was like, yeah, I must've imagined that I'm really tired. I don't know. Um, but God wouldn't let it go. Right. It was Mm. like everywhere I went, I kept hearing Ezekiel, Ezekiel, you know, the pastor starts quoting from Ezekiel. I pull up at a stoplight. The guy's license plate is Zeke. Um, I take my son to the store. Uh, He throws this whopper of a tantrum 
in the shopping buggy. We hit the end cap of the aisle and a dozen loaves of Ezekiel oh, bread God. fall all over me. I mean, it was like I couldn't get away from it. Oh, Ezekiel. my goodness. It's crazy. So finally, I was like, all right, they go home. Open up my study Bible and I start reading about Ezekiel because I know nothing about him. I don't have any context of who he is. I know he's a prophet. That's it. And it literally says, God's heart was grieved because his people only wanted his blessings and didn't want him. Mm -hmm. And it was the exact prayer, the exact question I had asked to God. And I sensed it right there in my heart again, study this book and write down what I show you. And that was the first full study I ever wrote. And it was just on Ezekiel. It was unpacking the book of Ezekiel. But what I realized, not then, but several years later, that God used that study of Ezekiel to bring about my own personal revival. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't actually a study about Ezekiel as much as it was an invitation to revival. And so Moody Publishers, uh, my publisher for my previous studies, they picked it up and they were like, we love this. We got to put this out there. And so that's how an unexpected revival came to be. So you wrote that study on Ezekiel, though, and it wasn't your first one published, right? It was not. Yeah, it's been the most recent one. Correct. But it was actually the first one that I wrote. Right. Okay. So I want to know, I mean, now I want to know so many things. (laughs) This is what always happens to me. I want to know so many things. You're going through this study and you're like, this is not sound like the God that I want a part of. I just, I know that that is a certain level of discernment that not everyone has. And I don't think that, I think that people can have it. But I mean, was there a point in that study where you were somewhat buying into the messaging or being angry with God that you were checking all the boxes before you got to the point of saying, wait a minute, this has nothing to do with who God is. This has to do with who, how they're writing God to be. Right. Like, did you ever have that wrestling? So I had the wrestling more. I don't want to say I had a wrestling of a crisis of faith because, and I say this very carefully, but I think that when you come to faith, later in your life, and you have experienced a long stretch of life without the presence of grace in your home Mm -hmm. and in your heart, when that grace finally invades, you have no doubt that God is real. So I did not have a crisis of faith. I knew God was real, but I knew I was not There was something I was missing. There was something I was not grasping, not understanding. Something was wrong because Mm -hmm. I was checking all the boxes. Yeah. And my life circumstantially was falling apart. Yeah. I think this is like everything I was praying for, everything I was praying for was a no. (laughs) Right? God, heal my dad. Nope. I'm going to heal him, but I'm going to heal him by taking him to heaven. Help me be a good mom. Help me know how to raise these kids. You know, my, my son is like, 
you know, we're having all these issues with him and we, I don't understand it. And I don't know where he's coming from. And, um, you know, help my daughter sleep at night. Cause she has night terrors. Nope. Nope. I'm going to push you to the end of your ropes, girl. Um, it, you know, help my husband to, you know, work this out with his job situation. Nope. Your husband's not going to stay there. Um, I'm taking you down a whole different path. I mean, it was literally like every single thing I was asking God, it was like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm doing all the things you're supposed to give me a yes. I mean, that was the theology that I had sort of adopted yeah. and that this book was continuing to propagate. Right. And then I realized God's no's are not punishment. Hmm. God's no's are our protection Ooh. and God was protecting us by getting us out of that work scenario. Mm. God was protecting us by bringing us across the country and planting us in the exact church we were going to need to be in to raise our kids well and with support and grace and help God taking my father home ripped me to shreds, but it was a huge blessing for him to not have to suffer for years and years and years because the disease that he had is one that is typically very lengthy and very painful and horrible. Mm -hmm. And God said, you know what, I'm going to spare you of this suffering. I'm going to just take you home now. Um, so God's nose can feel like a punishment, but more often than not, there are protection. I mean, does God ever discipline his children? Oh, absolutely. Because we need to understand that when we rebel against him, not good stuff happens, right? Like yeah. when we choose to follow the enemy of our souls, he's out to harm us. Yeah. Um, so does God discipline? Yeah. Or do we openly and willingly rebel against God and we suffer consequences from that? 100%. Yeah. Um, but when it feels like God is giving us a no, 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 and we don't understand why, it's probably for our protection, mm. not because he's punishing us. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know also like you're not saying sometimes there's no's when there's just terrible accidents and things like that. Like that's not what you're referring to because I know, Correct. I mean, it's interesting that this is the story that you're sharing because I am going through your study of Ezekiel an unexpected revival. And it has been great for me because I have been in a season of feeling like I'm just receiving one no after another. And like, what do you want me to do? And honestly, a lot of studying it and reading, you know, what you've written in your study, I can sense a lot of that revival happening inside of me. And so what has been some of the feedback that you have received from the Ezekiel study, like I, and I don't mean like praises. I just mean like some things that women have said that have been kind of eye opening for them as a result of the study, if you can think of any. So I would say the biggest feedback that I have gotten is women have uh, really loved how much we go through and study the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Ezekiel is really God's first promise. You know, I'm going to send a new spirit, right? I'm going to change their hearts. And, and he's 
he's prophesying to them about his ultimate plan to send the Holy Spirit. So we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And what I have realized is for most of us, our ideas about the Holy Spirit and our understanding and teaching that we've received about the Holy Spirit is rooted a whole lot more in our denominational traditions Mm. than it is in actual doctrine and actually going deep into the scripture and looking at what does the scripture say about the Holy Spirit. So uh, in the final week, when we talk about revival now, we look at everything that Jesus told his disciples about the Holy Spirit before he went to the cross and then after his resurrection before his ascension. Uh, And then we also look at what Paul teaches about the Holy Spirit. And so what I have heard from women is one, they never really understood who the Holy Spirit was. Mm. I mean, they knew he was the third member of the Trinity, but he was kind of like the redheaded stepchild, right? Like we don't like talk to him a whole lot. We don't really know what he does. We just sort of know he's there. Um, So they really have loved that. And they have felt that engaging with the Holy Spirit because he's the deposit guaranteeing what Mm -hmm. is to come, right? He's the the power within us that raised Christ from the dead is alive and at work in us. And so they have loved learning how to engage with the Holy Mm. Spirit in fellowship and in prayer and in intimacy in the same way that they have been able to with God, the father or, or Jesus. Um, And so that's been my biggest feedback. And I love that because I think Amber, as we think about how much as Christians today, we are really at war heavily with our culture. Mm Mm-hmm. If we are not going to live spirit-filled lives, we're going to have a really hard time persevering in our mm-hmm. faith. And we're seeing that, right? We're seeing right. this rise of uh, deconstructionism, um, you know, all people leaving the faith in mm-hmm. droves. And so we have got to learn how to unwrap this gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised us and left us with. Uh, to persevere to the end. You know, I I will often say, you know, if we're casual about our Christianity, we're we're going to become a casualty of our culture. Mm. Um, And we're seeing a lot of Christians, we're seeing that happen. Yeah. Yeah. We really, really are. And if you're a mom, um, do, you know, do the work. I, I hate to say that, but I mean, do the work in the sense of preparing your own heart by being in the word, learning to study the word um, so that you can help your kiddos because it's not, you know, that aspect is not getting easier um, to live in our culture. So tell me for, you know, the Christian mom out there who really does feel like she heard you earlier and she knows like, yes, that is me. I don't want to tell anybody that I don't get in the word of God. And I do sit in church every week and I hear my pastor say, you got to be in the word. Like if you're not in the word, basically what you are, you know, what's filling your mind is not of God, you know? Um, How would you encourage her to take that next step and say, okay, I'm going to actually learn how to do this. You know, I'll be honest. I see Bible study kind of a lot like exercise. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm not... If I'm not doing it with somebody, I'm not going on my own. I'm not ever go to the gym by myself. It's just not going to happen. Um, and 
reading our Bible is a lot the same way. And exercise, I need a routine. I need a schedule. A habit. Um, A habit. And Bible study does that, right? So like in an unexpected revival, you know this, right? Like week one, day one, week one, day two, right? There's five days a week. It becomes a habit. You don't ever have to play this game of, well, should I be reading more? Am I reading enough? Am I not? You know, this, here's your chunk for today, right? Here's your reps for today. Yeah. Um, So I would say, get in a Bible study, get a Bible study and get somebody to do it with you. If you don't have one available uh, at your church or it doesn't work with your schedule, um, get a couple friends together and do one together. It's choices, honestly. Um, And it's kind of like the gym thing. You know, when you go, you're you're happy that you went, you feel good, you, you see the effects of it, you feel the effects of it. But man, just that getting going and yeah. getting in that habit is tough. And so um, rather than continuing to feel guilty about right. it, mm-hmm. just grab a couple other moms and say, man, you want to do this together? Like, you know, we could even just FaceTime, yep. um, you know, every day at one o'clock you know, for 20 minutes and do it together if if that's the level of accountability that you need. But the other thing I really want to say is, man, you are so not alone. Like yeah. you probably feel like you're the only one out there that doesn't read their Bible. You yeah, are not. No, you're not. Nope. You're not. <laughs> um, there are a million other moms out there just like you. So don't keep beating yourself up over it and don't keep hiding in shame over it. Uh, but do something about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Take the step forward. I know a lot of times I will encourage people as well, like get online and look and see, is there a local Bible study fellowship? Is there a local community Bible study? Because those are like just the scripture, you know, you're not, right. it's not topical. Um, and, and nowadays so many things you can get online too. Like there'll be groups that meet online, which is yeah, like so awesome. Yeah. Well, when I was younger, it was like, nope, you got to go in person. <laughs> this online stuff doesn't know yeah. such yeah. thing. I would really encourage people out there to go in person Me because too. you're going to, you're going to foster um, deep relationships. And like I said earlier, you know, when I started going to Bible study, I learned a whole lot more from the people at the table. And so find a table and pull up a chair there. Um, you know, there's some people that online is the only option. You know, I run an online study every summer, um, because I have a lot of, uh, military wives that are connected with us here at every life ministries and they're PCS over the summer and they, you know, everything is in upheaval. They don't have any time to find something. And a lot of, uh, churches don't offer a study in the summer. So I always try to do an online study every summer, but I really encourage people um, you know, pick up a couple studies and get a couple friends and and go do it. it it's going to change your life and it's going to deepen your friendships. Yes. In a powerful way as well. So true. It is so true. And that is when the Bible comes alive. I mean, I started studying the word when I was in my early 20s. And for I remember that first study so well, like for the first time I was like, oh my gosh, 
This is what everybody's so excited about. Yeah. You know, like even you just got making, your secret decoder ring. That's right. It's like just making one connection even between, you know, something Paul said in the Old Testament. It's like yeah. this light bulb pops on and right. so much is awakened as a result of that. Um, and it's never too late to begin. That's what's so beautiful about the word of God. It's never, never too late to begin. Well, what about for the young teenager who, um, Ooh, that's a whole different battle. Um, I mean, you know, reading your Bible is not cool. I don't have time. That's the one I hear a lot. And they're just really starting to understand more of, okay, this is supposed to be a relationship. This is supposed to be something. I don't want to just read my Bible to check the box. box, Um, you know, it's that translation. So, so what would you say to them? Uh, So one of the things that I would say to them is try and find a mentor, Mm -hmm. a woman who, or a girl who's a little bit older than you. If you're in high school, maybe she's in college or just out of college, or she's, uh, you know, a young mom, a young working professional. She's just a little bit ahead of you in life. Um, She could be a lot ahead of you. Uh, My daughter, uh, she's 18. Uh, Her mentor is 50. Uh, she's been Eliana's mentor since Eliana was 11 years old. They've been walking this road together. That um, is so cool. Fi- find a mentor who you can do a book together because then you're not, not only are you going to learn the Bible, but you're going to learn about life. And as you in relationship with this other person grow closer, uh, you're also going to grow in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a life changer. It's going to give you a lot of wisdom. It's going to provide an element of security to your life. Like I was talking about earlier, you know, um, when I felt like my life was falling apart and I needed to understand who God was, um, you're not going to go through a crisis of the faith because you're going to know that God is real because scripture tells us that our faith is built through hearing the word of God. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also going to help you have that discernment that you were talking about earlier, Amber, you know, you're going to go to a university, you're going to go out into the workplace, and people are going to begin to talk about different ideas, and you're going to understand how that contradicts scripture. And so you're not going to be deceived by something that's ultimately going to lead to your harm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's the benefits far outweigh the the time and the effort and the discipline. But again, it's a lot like exercise. You're going to do it a lot longer and you're going to get a lot more out of it if you do it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I so agree. And so if there's somebody that is listening right now, and maybe you're someone that could serve as a mentor to a teenage girl, to a girl in her 20s, like take that step to ask them, or if you're a teen who's listening and there's somebody that pops in your mind, I mean, one of my very best friends, like I basically just asked her, do you have someone that you would recommend that's a little bit older than me? And she's like, well, I know I might not be as old as you would like for me to be, but I would love to mentor you. And that was, you know, back when my kids were babies and we're still great friends and she mentors me in a lot of ways. So I agree, but, but don't be afraid to just ask because the worst some, someone can say is I just can't do that right now. 
Yeah. I don't even know that you have to go like zero to 60, right? Like True. just say, yep. can we, can we grab a cup of coffee yep. sometime? I have some questions I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Yeah. And then if you feel like, man, this is someone that I really connected with, like I really enjoyed this. This was helpful. Then you can say, can we do this again sometime soon? And, you know, a couple of times in and you're thinking, hey, could we go through a book together? Yeah. Um, you don't have to, you know, be like be so formal. Yeah. Like, will you be my mentor and meet right. with me every Wednesday from 530 to seven? That's right. uh, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. That's it right. It doesn't. Just ask an older woman that you respect or you look up to and say, could we grab coffee sometime? Mm, yeah. Oh, so, so beneficial. Um, okay. Well, let's, I got a couple more and we'll close out here. You did eventually get called to teach and speak from a stage. And so I'm just curious. Uh, I know kind of where that started for you, but um, tell us a little bit of that story and teaching the word of God to women in prisons. Yeah. Uh <laughs> That is a crazy God story. So I, I went to women's Bible study. I think I've said that like 20 times in this interview. <laughs> so if anybody takes anything away from this interview, I hope it is the power of women's Bible study. Uh, but uh, I was driving home from church one day um, out here in Arizona. I drove by the women's prison every single week on my way home from church, never thought anything about it. But that particular Sunday, we had had a guest pastor. It was actually our regular, our weekly pastor's father. And he was telling the story of when he was in Russia, when it was still communist, wow. and he was smuggling in Bibles. Okay. And his wife was with him. She was waiting for him uh, in a hotel and they went to make the drop of Bibles at this underground church. And the church found out that he was an American pastor. Well, at this point, Russia had been under communist rule for quite some time. They had very few, uh, formally trained pastors in yeah. Russia. And so they begged pastor Don to stay and teach them the word. And at this point, I, uh, I had written uh, my Ezekiel study, um, I, I self published it and bound it together. And I was out, you know, sharing a little bit, and at some different churches and things. Um, but as he's telling this story, he says, uh, I knew if I stayed and I taught these people the Bible and I got caught, I would be thrown in a Russian prison and probably never see my family again. Mm -hmm. But I felt compelled by the spirit that I needed to stay. And so I opened up the book of Romans and I walked these Russian believers through the book of Romans and explained it to them. And he uh -huh. said, I received a letter uh, from the pastor at this church several months later uh, about how the church had just exploded with growth wow. um, since his visit and how they, you know, these Russian believers understood that they were not the first believers to undergo intense persecution and hiding. And yet through that process, God had a plan to, you know, grow 
his church. And uh, it just radically transformed this church. It brought revival to them, essentially. And as he's telling this story, Amber, I'm sitting there and I'm going, that's what I want to do. I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to get arrested and die in a foreign prison. I don't want to do that. (laughs) But what I do want to do is I want to take the word of God to people who are hungry for it, Mm. to people who desperately want to know God through it. And it was like fire in my bones. And as I sat there saying that to God, I drove home that day and I sensed God say to me right there, you go in there. And I was like, the prison? Like, I'm Susie Suburbia. I don't think I'm going to fit. Like, I don't know if I'm going to relate to these people. Like, uh, really? You know, I don't even know how you go about doing that, right? Like, so um, Tuesday rolls around now, two days later, and I walk into women's Bible study, and there's this woman sitting at my table. I don't recognize her. So I go up and I introduce myself and tell her who I am, you know, Um, and I ask her who she is and, you know, how did she come to our Bible study? And she says, oh, well, your pastor's wife invited me to come and share about my ministry. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, then she gets called up to the stage and she starts sharing about her prison ministry. (laughs) And I go up to her afterwards and I said, I think I'm supposed to connect with you. Yeah. And that was how I started in prison ministry. And that was wh- the first place that I began formally teaching women in the word on a regular basis. Yeah. And let me tell you something. You think the church ladies know their Bibles? These women in the walls of a prison, they know their Bibles really like, inside out and backwards because, you know, they're they like do. they read. They read and they're like the woman who the woman who has been forgiven much mm. loves much. And these women are so in love with Jesus and they just hang on every single word in that book. And they will call you out when they disagree <laughs> with something you've said. So you better know your stuff going in. Um But that was where I really began to grow as a teacher in the scriptures. Um, You know, they weren't going to just take my word for it, right? Right. Like I was going to have to really uh, explain it and back up what I said. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it it really grew me, uh, not just as a daughter of God uh, and a sister in Christ, uh, but also as a teacher of the word. Yeah. That is incredible. Now, do you still teach there? I do not. Still I, I couldn't teach remember there. if um, you had said you did, but you you taught there for quite a while, right? I taught there for uh, a little over two years. Yeah, uh, and then we took a break. Our family, uh, my kids, got a little bit older. They got involved in a lot of activities. They had a lot of homework. Yep. And to be able to go into the prison, I had to be there at five and I wouldn't get home till nine. And it, I really felt like this is for a later season right now. I need to be home and with my kids, but uh, who knows, maybe the Lord will open the door for me to go back one day. I'm certainly open to it because it was some of the most amazing ministry I've ever had the privilege of being part of. So awesome. I love it. Well, let's close with this. Your ministry is every life ministry. And, um, 
you have several studies and books. And so let everybody know a little bit about what that ministry is all about and um, how, you know, they can connect with you. Yeah. Uh, so Bible studies are my jam. Yes. <laughs> I have uh, five of them <laughs> and they are on my website. Uh, it's just ericawigginhorn.com. Um, I also want to speak just one more time, Amber, to the woman out there that says, you know, I'm just really struggling to get in the word. Mm-hmm. I'm really struggling to have a relationship with God. I believe in God. I go to church even, but I, I'm, I don't have this relationship with him that I hear you and Amber talking about. Yeah. Uh, if she goes to my website, which is just my name, ericawigginhorn.com, there's three free eBooks on there that she can download. And one of yeah. them is 50 days to intimacy with God. It's just mm-hmm. a devotional. Um, it's a great way to just get your feet wet to start spending a few minutes a day with God. Uh, there's another one there that is the busy woman's guide to praying for her friends and family. So mm. if prayer is a struggle for you, um, there's some great prayer habits and ways to pray uh, in that little ebook that will help revive and revitalize your prayer life. Um, and then there's one other ebook there. I won't tell you what it is, but I think most women will like it. So uh, <laughs> go check it out and download those items for free yeah. and just start, just take that one step today to begin to grow in your relationship with God. Um, but you can also, you know, you can check out the studies there as well. There's um, an unexplainable life and the unexplainable church, which goes through acts there's uh, unexplainable Jesus rediscovering the God you thought you knew, uh, which awesome. goes through Luke. Uh, there's letting God be enough, which walks through God's relationship with Moses and our fear, our fear of inadequacy. And then obviously the one we've been talking about today, an unexpected revival, uh, experiencing God's goodness through disappointment and doubt, which goes through Ezekiel. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Erica, thank you so much. It was a joy to have you you today. It was so fun to be here. Be sure to check out the resources Erica mentioned. They are all linked in today's show notes. And visit graceenoughpodcast.com slash free gratitude practice to join me November 1st for four weeks of connecting with God through Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.